ministry. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'd like you to go ahead and take your Bibles. It may be electronic, maybe paper, leather, papyrus. Uh, I don't not not really sure. But would you take it? Open up to Colossians chapter three, the book of Colossians chapter three. If you do not have a Bible. You see me afterwards and we will get you a Bible. We will get you a Bible in the language, uh, in your first language, whatever that might be. But we want you to have a copy of God's Word, not only to have here on Sunday, but to take home and to read and to be, just be, let the, the Word of God become a very real part of your, of your life, your daily life. Uh, here in Colossians, I have to say, you know, I'm looking at Colossians, and I've so enjoyed over these last few weeks uh, looking at, at the book of Colossians, and uh, you know, I kind of feel, let me get turn there myself, I kind of feel a little bit like that kid with the milk duds, right, right, the, that I mentioned a little while ago. I feel like the kid with the milk duds, there's so much good stuff and so little time, and, and, I, and I just want to dig into it. There's so much here in the book of Colossians. And I just, want to, I just want to grab each chunk and, and, and share it with you. But, of course, we don't have time to do it all, so we're stretching this out. Uh, the, the book of Colossians, just a little bit of the backstory. The book of Colossians was first written, inspired by the Holy Spirit, through a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul, to write this church, a, a gathering of believers in and around the city of Colossae ancient, long-ago city, and, and there were believers that were gathering there. These were people who had been uh, exposed to the gospel, who had begun a living relationship with Jesus. They recognized their lostness. They recognized their need for the Lord, and so they surrendered their lives to Him. He saved them, and He was in the process of transforming them. These were the Christians in Colossae. So it was written initially to them, but it was written to every one of us. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, this was not written just to a bunch of people two millennia ago, but it was written to you and to me. It's written to people who have a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I want you to receive it as such. It's the living word, not just for them, it's for us. And here in Colossians we are repeatedly told that if someone is in Christ, and you'll see that expression a lot, in Christ, by Christ, with Christ, throughout these epistles and, and especially here in Colossians, but, but we're repeatedly told that if you are in Christ, that if, if someone is in Christ, that the way that we live is to be different than the way that we lived before. So if you've transitioned from spiritual darkness into spiritual light because of the cross of Jesus Christ, because of a relationship with Him, then our lives are going to look differently. The imagery that is used here is, is like filthy clothing that is being taken off and new clothing that is being put on. You'll see this imagery, in fact, we'll see it here in a few moments. We see this throughout the book of Colossians. It's actually going into, into an Old Testament model with the priests, uh, how important it was to remove the dirty clothing and put on clean clothing when you stand in the holy of holies. So that's where it goes back to, but this is the imagery that is used, that the way that we used to live is like old clothing that we take off, filthy clothing that we take off and we put on new clothing. 
And so you see this imagery a lot. Let me be very clear on something. Again, we've not gotten into the text here, but let me be very clear on something. The way that we live does not and cannot earn our salvation. You can live a perfect life. You can do all of the right things, avoid all of the wrong things, and you can never earn salvation. That is a result of a relationship with Jesus Christ because of what he and what he alone did on the cross. But when we come to Christ, our lives will then be different because there's been this inner transformation. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we looked at Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, where it says that followers of Christ are to put to death, that's the, word, the words that are used there, they are to put to death the immoralities that are common to the world around us. We saw that again in verse 5, and it gives that rather extensive list, brief, but, but it, it goes deep. And he gives this list of immoralities, and, and, and the Holy Spirit was telling these believers, these people with faith in Christ, that the way that the world around you lives, you're not supposed to live anymore. That, that Jesus delivered you from that that he's saved you, that he's restored you, and that with our bodies we are not to do what they do. And what a great message for us today. What a great directive for us today. That we live in a world that is morally corrupt, right? I don't need to tell you that. You see it. We're aware of that. And there are all, all kinds of perversions in the world around us, but for the follower of Jesus Christ, we are to live differently. We are to put to death those things. If we see them, we are to have, there's to be no mercy whatsoever. We are to be done with that. That's a part of our old life. Now we're in Christ. Last week, in verses 8 and 9, we saw how anger and rage and malice and slander and filthy language and lying, how those also are a part of our old life, that those attitudes and those actions that, were, that, that, were so, that are so acceptable and so common in our old life are to be removed and are not to be a part of our new life in Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know about you, but that was kind of a convicting thing even as I preached it because the things that we say, the, 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 the words that we use, they matter. And the Holy Spirit was saying to a bunch of Christians in Colossae, and he's been saying to every Christian since then, if we are in Christ, then the things that we say and the, the, the things that we become angry about are to be different, that our words matter. We can't say the things that we used to say, do the things that we used to do. Now we're in Christ. Those things change. So the end of verse 9, and then verse 10, now read this way. You have taken off your old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Now again, I mentioned a moment ago this this imagery of taking off the old and putting on the new, right? And it's mentioned right here. Because of the power of the cross... Because of the power of the cross, Jesus saves us, sin is defeated, and he gives us the power to change. Glory to God. How many here are really glad that 
Sin has been forgiven in your life. Glory to God. Thank God for that. I hope that there's not a day that goes by that we don't at just at some point say, God, thank you for what you delivered me from and for what you delivered me to. You know, I've been serving Jesus a long time. Some of you have been serving Jesus even longer. And some of you just a very, very short time. Really doesn't matter how long you've been serving him. I hope that every one of us, we never get used to the fact that Jesus delivered us, saved us, and he set us in the right direction. I, we have a lot to look forward to because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. It's the best deal ever. Again, this imagery. Because of the power of the cross. The power of the cross is an amazing thing. But I want you to notice, please, right there in the middle of verse 10, the three words, is being renewed. You see those three words, is being renewed. Now, I don't want to bore anybody, but this is kind of an interesting phrase because it's not past tense, it's present tense. And that's actually quite important. Let me tell you why. It's important that this is present tense, not past tense. It doesn't say it was renewed. It says it is being renewed. That means that this work that Jesus does in us is ongoing. It is ongoing. It means that becoming like Jesus is not a one and done kind of thing, but it is an ongoing promise or process. It is an ongoing process in our lives that Jesus, he saves us. There's a distinct beginning, but then there's this thing called discipleship. There's this ongoing transformation, and it is, it is not a one and done. It is always, always happening as we continue to serve the Lord. It means becoming like Jesus is a process. So it's, it's the Apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 writing how there were some things that he had to die daily to. Do you know that there are some things that you're going to have to just die one time to, but there's some things you're going to have to give over to Jesus again and again and again? How many know what I'm talking about? I mean like every day. I got I to gotta give that to Lord. Every day I have to surrender that. Every day I have to lay that down. How long? I don't know. Probably up until the day that I die. There's some things that we need to die daily to, and Paul wrote about that. It's also 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where it tells us that our bodies are wasting away, but inwardly we are being renewed day by day. It's a powerful image. It says here that, that we are, our bodies are wasting away. Husbands, I want you to go home to your wives and I want you to look at her, hold her in your, her, in your, in your arms and say, baby, you're wasting away. But inwardly, you're being renewed day by day. Just speak that truth over her. Tell me how that goes later on. But it's true, isn't it? Our bodies are wasting away. I don't care how good, how healthy it is. These bodies are in some degree, a state of decay. We're, we're not getting better. We're getting worse physically. But there's a part of me, there's a part of me that is getting stronger and growing regardless of age. I'm being renewed day by day. This body, your body, everybody's body is wasting away. But there's a part of us that's going to live forever. And it's being renewed day by day. It means that if we're in Christ, we are in a perpetual state of construction. 
How many here have driven miles <laughs> through a construction zone and then been very glad to see the sign end construction? Isn't that a wonderful sign to see? Because I know what some of you, you know, that, that actually, here's, here's, here's what that sign actually means. It means that the construction zone is done. Some of you think it means pedal to the metal, right? You know who you are. Do you know that that sign is never going to be in the life of the believer? Ever. So if you're thinking, God, when is, when is, when, when are, the, when am I going to run out of seeing things in my life with rough edges and, and, and things that pop up that I didn't even know? Where, when am I going to get to that place where I just, where I just have no more progress? You, about five seconds before you die. Maybe then. My. My dad, as many of you know, I've mentioned a few times, my, my dad passed away some months ago, and, and even in the final weeks and months of his life, God was still dealing with some things in him. It's the way it should be. There were some things that my dad shared with people and, 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 and affirmed people and thanked people that he had not done before. Why? Because the construction project wasn't done. I don't know when... Our lives are going to end, but I do know this, that as long as we're alive, we're still in a state of construction, which is a good thing because when you see someone else and you have the expectation that they should have it all together, just think, you know what? They're still under construction. I know that sometimes we have high expectations of people, and we should have some higher expectations if a person is stated that they follow Jesus Christ, but if they don't have it all together yet, just say, extend mercy, extend grace, and say, you know what, God's still working on them. And by the way, he's still working on you. We're under construction. So now, I haven't even got to the best part yet. Look at verse 11. Verse 11 reads this way. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, Barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. It's a powerful statement. Now, this is one of those texts that because of the wording, some big words or some unfamiliar words that we have the tendency as we're reading through the Bible just to jump over and just go, I don't understand that, so I'm going to move on. Let me help you with this. Here in this verse, verse 11, the Holy Spirit says that in our new life in Jesus Christ, the distinctions, that's an important word, the distinctions that we once made are to be removed and set aside as well. Distinctions. He's saying here, again, paraphrase, he's saying here, it, you've, been, you've been transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. You're now in him. You are with Christ. You are in Christ. You are by Christ. He says, because of that, you're taking off the old and you're taking off the old immoralities and, and you're taking off and putting on righteousness and you're taking off all of the, the things that we used to say. And, and then he comes to verse 11 and he's essentially saying this, we're also going to take off the ways that we used to make distinctions between people. 
because we're now all in Jesus Christ. The, the first thing that he says here is that there is no Greek or Jew. A at this time, the, the Jewish people had nearly 2,000 years of national identity all the way back to Abraham. They had been a nation, a people, a distinct people for as long as it's been since Jesus walked to the earth in physical form. 2,000 years. For 2,000 years up to this point, they had a national identity and they were proud of their national heritage. They, they were proud of it in, in many ways, rightfully so, because, because they had been taken off or they had moved away and then eventually gone into slavery for like centuries and then God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt and brought them back and reestablished the nation again and then and then they disobeyed God, a whole bunch of things, the kingdom was divided, people carried away, people carried away, and eventually the remnant came back and they were a nation again. Now they were under Roman occupation, but they were still very fiercely proud of their identity as a nation. We are the Jewish people. It was very important to the Jewish people that they have this national identity the Jewish people called anyone who was not Jewish Greek or Gentile. didn't matter if you were from Greece area. You could have been from, from what we now regard to as Italy, from Rome, and they still re you were a Greek or you were a Gentile. Yet this says that in Jesus Christ, we are to put aside or remove national distinctions. That regardless of one's national origin... If we are in Christ, we are not simply a part of a nation, but in Christ we are a part of a kingdom, and our greater allegiance is to our Savior and Lord. Let me say that again. We may be a part of a nation, but more than that, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're a part of a kingdom, and our greater allegiance is to Him. Now, that's one thing to say in this nation because it's still, in many regards, a, a, a pretty good place to be if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. It's going to get more challenging, but it's a good place. It's a lot more challenging in other places in the world. Next Sunday, one week from today, Lord, if the Lord has not yet returned, we will recognize and we are going to honor persons who have served or are serving in our nation's armed services. If you're a veteran or you're currently serving, I want you to come. If you know somebody who is a veteran or who is currently serving, I want you to invite them. We're going to recognize them and we're going to take a few moments and honor them. And it's just a very precious few moments. It's not enough, but we want to honor them. We are blessed to live and to serve in this country. I tell you, I love my country. I've, I've listened to the national anthem many, many times, and there's not one time that's gone by that I didn't get a lump in my throat. I love my nation. I love my country, and I'm very proud of her. But listen to me. Someday, my nation, someday, my nation, and your nation, and every nation will be no more. But Christ's kingdom will have no end. See, I am, I, I am a citizen of this nation, but I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, and of that kingdom there will be no end. This morning, if you are in Christ, 
regardless of where you're from or where your ancestors came from, if you are in Jesus Christ, you are my brother and sister in Christ. We are together because we are in Him. So I don't look at you as a, as a better Christian or a worse. You're just a follower of Jesus Christ regardless of where you come from. One of the, some of my most precious memories are meeting people in faraway places who've never, who've never uh, they've heard of the United States, but they've probably never heard of South Dakota. If they did, they mispronounced our capital city. They call it Pierre. Why do they do that? Because it looks like it, right? I mean, they don't know anything about my nation. They don't know anything about, my, about my, the, 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 the way that it's organized. But I find out that they're a follower of Jesus Christ, and immediately, immediately there's a kinship. I may not even speak their language. I may not look anything like them. We may be completely different, but there's a bond. Why? Because they're a part of the kingdom. They're a part of the kingdom. We're in this together. Continues with, there is now... Also, no more circumcised or uncircumcised. Circumcision was the external and physical marking of Jewish men. It happened shortly after birth that they would physically mark them as distinct, that this is a Jewish, and it was one of the most important Jewish rites in the Jewish family. Circumcision was an external and physical marking. It was a religious distinction that set people apart at birth. Here's the problem. The problem was that circumcision had become by this point largely symbolic. It was an outward marking rather than an inward marking. It was something that they just did, and though it may have had a good origin, it had kind of lost its purpose. In fact, earlier in the book of Colossians, or in this letter to the church in Colossae, in chapter 2, it talks about circumcision, but more than circumcision of the body, circumcision of the heart. That, there, that we're supposed to have more than a physical thing, more than an external or an outward thing, we are to be people who are set apart in our hearts. But it had become just this this external thing. Oh, yes. Oh, you're Jewish. Why? Because you're circumcised. And it lost its meaning. But they thought that's how people were set apart. You know, it's interesting, isn't it, how God knew how our default, our automatic default, is to our external religious practices, and we have the tendency to miss the heart of the matter. Um, I find this often when I'm talking with people, and if I'm just getting to know them, I work the conversation around because it's really important to know where they are with Christ. And I, I just I ask them about, you know, tell me about your relationship with Jesus Christ. And often I get this response, well, I am, and then they give me their denominational name. Well, I am, so don't, you don't even need to talk to me because, because I am this. And I'm not saying that this is bad, that that handle or that denominational name, I'm a part of a denomination. No problem with that. The problem is, if we just think that that is the totality of our relationship with Jesus Christ, we've missed the point. It's become this religious distinction. 
And, then we, we, and, 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 and the word here, the Holy Spirit is telling us that, that, that we must remove that, that we must take it, that we must stop with these external things and go to the heart of the matter. He says there's no, it wasn't that he was putting down circumcision, physical circumcision, he's just simply saying that now we're not going to make that distinction whether you are or not. Verse 11 again says there is no barbarian or Scythian. What does that mean? This was probably directed at Christians who put too much stock in their cultural identity. It was a cultural distinction. You see, Greek culture was regarded as the most advanced and enlightened of its time. The Greek culture, because of Alexander the Great, some centuries before, it, it had, this Greek culture had spread throughout the entire Mediterranean region. And then when the Romans came up, they, they had brought in a whole different style, but they really adopted the Greek culture. They loved the Greek culture with all, and they really believed themselves to be the most enlightened, and they were in many ways. The Greeks, in many ways, in comparison to many of the rest of the parts of the world, they really did, in many ways, have it together in some ways. But they were very proud of it. And they regarded that anyone who was beyond that Greek culture, they called them barbarians. <laughs> many of us are from Northern Europe or some from, from, from Asia or some from, from Africa and some who are Native American. And, and because it was beyond that region, we would if, if that's where you, you come, your culture, would have, you would have been included in that barbarian. And the Scythian, what is that? They were especially nomadic barbarians who had no sense of history, no sense of culture. They were just this nomadic group of people that moved around and, and they, they belonged nowhere and to no one. And they were, they were like the barbarians of the barbarians. And some of you are thinking, I mean, they were crude and they were rude and they were... And, and I, now, for some of you, I just described your, your last family reunion, you know, and you're thinking, that's, you know my family. How many here have, how many here have cousins who you would consider Scythian? Any, any of you, right? How many of you are that cousin that, you, that others would regard? Right? We, we, they said, oh, and, and now the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit was pointing this to them. You see, apparently, some barbarians, people who were beyond the culture, apparently some Scythians who were the barbarians, apparently some of them had come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. <laughs> Man, some Scythians, I mean, it's like some Scythians got saved? Yes, Scythians got saved. Barbarians, they came to Jesus. And yet some Christians who believed themselves to be more refined wondered if barbarians and Scythians could belong. And God, through His Holy Spirit, to the church in Colossae and to us, said, yes, absolutely they can. So stop making those cultural distinctions among believers. It's not that you're a barbarian Christian or a Scythian Christian. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. And all the barbarians, former barbarians said, there's some of you out there. If you're a Scythian, I've never met one. Would you please see me after the service? I want to, I want to meet you. Verse 11 says there were distinctions about slave or free. 
Slavery was a real thing. Sometimes people were enslaved because they were a conquered people at this time. Sometimes they were slaves because they'd become terribly indebted and they became essentially indentured servants. Until they paid off their debt, they were a virtual slave. But in the Roman system, a person could buy their freedom or buy someone else's freedom. So being a slave or free was not just a cultural or a social distinction, but also an economic distinction. And some Christians who found their identity in their social or their economic status were looking down on those who had more than them or less than them. And sometimes that still happens. Sometimes people look down on those who have more than them or less than them. And I warn you about both. Because sometimes we think that it's only those who have more who look down on those who have less. But I have also met people who have very little who look down on those who have more than them. And the Holy Spirit says, stop it. In fact, that's addressed in the book of James as well. The Holy Spirit says, stop it. Take it off. Lay it aside. Just as you did with the, the, the sexual immoralities that are so prevalent in the world, and you took that off and you laid that aside, and the things that you said and the, things that, the, the, the anger that you had and you, you laid that aside, we must also lay aside those distinctions. God said, take it off. At the end of verse 11, it says, Christ is all and is in all. You see, Jesus has saved and set free Jews and Greeks, those who were circumcised and those who were not, those whose cultures were vastly different, those who had much and those who had little. But it was Jesus who was in them that truly mattered and nothing else. This was a partial fulfillment, I believe, of Joel chapter 2 and then later on Acts chapter 2 where God said he would pour out his spirit on all people. Glory to God. I am so grateful. I did a DNA. I've told somebody this. I did one of these DNA things. I was hoping. I, I, my wife gave it to me for Christmas a couple. I was hoping, hoping, hoping for even just 1% Jewishness. I was. I wanted, to be, I wanted to be able to look at the Bible and say, look, that guy Abraham, that's my great, 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 great grandfather. Uh, not one bit. Not one bit. I'm a, I'm a, I come from barbarians. Many of you come from barbarians. And I'm so very grateful. I come from different economic things. I come from different culture and so do you. But I'm so very grateful that Jesus saved and died for all. No one. No one is beyond God's grace. No one is beyond his delivering power. Didn't matter where they were from. Didn't matter what they had done. Didn't matter what they looked like. Didn't matter what they held. Didn't matter what language they spoke. God had a plan for everyone. And glory to God, it still holds true today. He can forgive any person. He can restore any person. He can use any person to extend his kingdom. See, ultimately, 
There are only two kinds of people in this world. Those who know Jesus Christ and those who do not. Now, you, we can make our distinctions. We can say, I'm this kind of a Christian. I'm that. I'll tell you what. But it comes down to two things. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ or are you not yet a follower of Jesus Christ? That's what's important. That's what's important. Ultimately, that's really the only kinds of people that there are, saved or lost. Saved or lost. There have been times as a pastor where I've had people tell me that if that kind of person begins attending that person who speaks that language or that person whose skin color is that way or that person who's, who's, uh, who's even, uh, even on one occasion if, if uh, economic, if they start attending, I'm gone. And I said, <laughs> one person I said, it's been so nice having you here. Because <laughs> Jesus died for everyone. You're saying, well, are you saying, Pastor, that Everything's acceptable? Of course not. That's what Colossians is addressing. What it is saying that if a person comes to Jesus Christ and they have faith in Jesus Christ, and glory to God, I don't care what they look like. I don't care what their background is. If you're in Jesus, you're with me. This morning I want to finish. I want to finish by again reading Scripture together. We did this last week. Um, we're not going to read the same Scripture we're going to do something else. Actually, we're not just going to read it. I want to pray it together, right? I, I, I don't want to just read it. I want to pray it together. In, in just a few moments, you're going to see on the screen uh, a Bible reference. However, m many of you or some of you will, will not need it. Uh, you may already know it. But I want you to understand the verse that you're about to see. I want you to understand that verse in light of this verse, Colossians chapter 3. So would you please stand? If you are able, would you please stand across the sanctuary? Please, if, if at all possible, no one leaving. This is a very important period of time because it's all come down to this. Now, having done my part, I need you to do your part. And that is to, to pray. The verse that we're going to pray together is John chapter 3, verse 16. It reads this way, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. It's a very familiar verse and some of you are already quoting it and you didn't even need to read it. But I want you to look at two words on that screen, two very important words. On that, on that verse behind me, it says about the sixth word in the word world. God loved the world. God, loved, God did not look down on mankind and say, I only love these people. God loved our world. And then on the second line there, at the very end on the right, it says he gave his only son that Whoever, whoever, don't you love that whoever? 
You know what? If Your name probably is not in the Bible. Maybe your first name is. But, but I'll tell you what, you fit in the whoever. How many whoever's are here today? Hallelujah. So that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. I love the words world. I love it all. But for our purposes this morning, I want you to see the words world and whoever. So, I want us to do this. In a moment when we read this, uh, uh, and we're going to read it through twice because, or, or pray it through twice because I really want this to settle into your spirit. But I also, have also been praying that if, if there is any kind of distinction that we are making over and above Christian, or we're making a certain Christian a classification and saying that they're better or worse, then, then may the Holy Spirit do a work in our hearts in these moments so that we will understand in perhaps better ways than ever before that God so loved the world and that whoever believes in him will experience eternal life. with prayerful hearts. Because if you don't believe it, don't pray it. If you believe, this is truth. Let's pray it together. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but shall have eternal life. I want you now to pray it again, but I want you to do it a little bit louder. If you know it, go ahead and close your eyes. But I want you to pray it a little bit louder. I want you, with conviction, I want you to pray it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Lord Jesus, I thank you for my brothers and for my sisters around this room. I thank you, Lord, for what you've spoken to us today. I thank you that the cross of Jesus Christ, that cross that you gave yourself on, Lord, it was sufficient for every person who has ever lived or ever will live. I thank you, Jesus, that the power of the cross is greater than anything I can imagine. I will not fully understand its power this side of heaven for I cannot comprehend the love that you gave, the love that you had for this entire world, that, Father, you gave your Son to die, to be raised from the dead so that whoever believes in him, receives him, will not perish but will have eternal life. Lord, I ask this for any person who is here today, that even in these closing moments, that they will surrender their lives to you and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sins. I believe that you died for me, and I believe that you rose again for me. So, Lord, I'm a whosoever. May you save me. Lord, if there's even anyone who's not sure as they pray that simple prayer that they will know you. But Lord, you are our Lord. 
and someday together, I don't know what color will be there. I don't, not sure the language that we, it'll be a new language. I don't know, Lord, if we're going to have any kind of distinctions there. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters is that we are under the blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. We look forward to that great family reunion. And around time, and around the world, your people gather together. Until then, Lord, we get to experience just a little bit of that right here. Thank you, Lord, for every color, every language, for every background. I thank you for every person, Lord, who has been delivered and set free. And we pray that you will use us, Lord, without any bias, to take the message to a lost world. What a great task you've given us. I ask your blessing upon my brothers and sisters as they leave this place. I thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, God's people said, go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. These altars are open if you want to come and pray. God bless you. <coughs>